keep your mind open, learn where you can. And, you know, if you really want to learn how to do something, you might not get paid for it. One guy was stay small, keep it in house, and you'll be busy all the time and you'll make money. And the other guy there who I learned a few things from or picked up a few things from was fire everybody and sub everything out (laughs) frame to finish. You know, what business model is going to work for you? Hey, you know, that's Aaron Jones of Big Dog Construction. And you know who I am, Mike Kenoki, contractor in Fairbanks, Alaska. And Aaron and I are going to continue to talk about managing expectations, both our clients and our own and a lot more in this upcoming episode. Here's a couple more sound bites. Please stay tuned and don't forget to subscribe. And everything seems fine and you show up on the job site and one of the homeowner's heads is twisting in full 360s. There's smoke coming out their ears. There's lightning bolts coming out of their eyes. They're breathing fire. What do you do when that switch happens? I mean, when that happens, It has nothing to do with you. There's something else internal going on behind the scenes in that household that you're not privy to. And this, you're you're just the scapegoat. You're the, you're the easy target. I was a joke when I first went to clients' houses. I, I was a deer in the headlights so often I would get there thinking I knew what I was going to do. And then all of a sudden, I'm silent and they're asking questions and I've got no answers. I had no, no scheme for, you know, a small project that should just be one. Meeting. Uh, if you got a warranty, every job that you did this year, that's going to kill you. That'll yeah. eat you alive. It's probably just going to lead to all of you being better versus like somebody getting more work than somebody else. It's not like you're not going to get a project because you told so-and-so how you got around this HVAC problem. We're just, we're just over here building dreams. Welcome to the Contracting Handbook Podcast, a podcast for how to run a small contracting company. Whether you're a general contractor like me or a trade contractor, Starting fresh or been in business for years, here's all the stuff you never knew you'd have to know before you started your contracted business with the man who's seen it all, your host, Mike Kenoki. That's me. I really think that's important to 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 get the those relationships with your subs in. Um and everybody I've interviewed says, hey, this is the most important thing is having good trade, trade contractors to work with. And, and now earlier you said you do more in-house stuff now. We do some of our own like mechanical, like ERV, HRV stuff. When we're on the mainland, we would sub out drywall. We would sub out roofing sometimes, painting, tile, concrete a lot of times. Uh, now here on the island, we don't do all our own concrete work, but we do some of it. Tile, Gina does all our tile now, which is awesome because I don't have to do any tile, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But the only time we would do like hang our own board or do our own siding uh, or our own roofing, especially asphalt, would be if we weren't that busy or maybe, you know, a winter project to maintain the crew for, you know, sort of the slow season. Yeah. Now, literally, we're, you know, framing one day and... Well, basically, a lot of our projects are ground up. You know, if we do an addition, we might not do the concrete, but we might do the concrete. And it's, you know, footing straight up to the roof, frame to finish. Basically, crack fill, plumbing, and electrical is the only thing that gets subbed out. Uh, I I sub everything out these days. I used to do my own tile. And then I saw a professional tile guy. I was like, oh, that's how you, I'm, I'm, I'm good, but I'm not a tile guy. It's, so it's funny. Um, like, well, I guess it's, it's over a decade ago now. Um, I went to a, I'd take a course for a home warranty program that we're a part of. And, you know, got to meet with a lot of different contractors from some different provinces. So there, there was no competition. So it was a unique, a unique situation where everybody was actually able to be themselves and be completely open. And uh, one guy was stay small, keep it in house, and you'll be busy all the time and you'll make money. And the other guy there who I learned a few things from or picked up a few things from was fire everybody and sub everything out. (laughs) So two completely different schools of thought, but I'm going to say they're both right. It just, you know, what business model is going to work for you? Yeah. And that's the, that's one of the essences of this podcast that's coming out is that everybody's doing it differently. I mean, I thought that my model for how I do it is how a lot more people are going to be doing it, but I haven't talked to anybody who's really doing exactly what I did. And that's really interesting to me. You know, everybody's got just a slightly different tweak because there's no book for this. We all, we all just, you're writing it. You're writing it right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're treading water (laughs) until, until we get on solid ground. You've got an excellent reputation. How do you determine uh, whether you want to work with a client or not? Well, to be honest, most of this isn't my department. Mm. <laughs> it, it's really not. A lot of this is handled beforehand. Um, yeah. You know, before I become involved in either, even meeting the people, uh, if they're not from the island, but mostly um, our clients are recommended to us. Mm-hmm. They're or they're a repeat customer, and um, generally, if somebody is recommended to you, some of the some of that vetting has already been done. No doubt, because if you know if this prospective client is friends with someone you've already done work with, and you know had a good client uh, contractor relationship. Chances are the the personalities there are maybe not identical, but they're going to sort of follow along the same path. You're not going to have like, 
apples and oranges, just different types of apples. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, I, my number one is repeat clients. I, that's the best. Absolutely. That's the Absolutely. best. This is how much it costs. Okay. Let's do it. We, we have some repeat clients that don't even ask. They're just like, we need this done. Can you do it this year? Yeah. And just say, yes, we can, or we'll try and fit it in. And money's not even, not even brought up. Yeah. That feels good when you have that trust. Absolutely. As opposed to, as opposed to uh, the random caller who automatically thinks, cause you're a contractor that you're trying to, trying to scam them or trying to, you know, that. Yeah. But it goes, rest- it goes both ways though. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but yeah. Um, trust your gut. Trust your gut. If, if you have that first meeting, and you know there's red flags popping up in the back of your head then maybe this isn't the client for you maybe maybe it's time to look at a different project it's hard to say yeah because anytime you wound up in a crappy situation in a project and you knew when you first met them that something wasn't right you knew and then all of a sudden you're there and you're like how, why didn't I bail? I'm going to have an episode called no one to bail coming up <laughs> because for me, almost any red flag. Now I'm just, I go, I need to step back and let them down easy. And, you know, I, I don't think our chemistry is going to work. Yeah. And that's fair. That's fair. And sometimes, sometimes you don't know till you get into the project. Like there are people that, you know, everything seems to be good till you get going. You started out, at, they they're, they love you. They're so excited. Your company's working on their house and everything seems fine. And you show up on the job site and one of the homeowner's heads is twisting in full 360s. There's smoke coming out their ears. There's lightning bolts coming out of their eyes. They're breathing fire. What do you do when that switch happens? I mean... I've had that one, like one really striking situation where I couldn't believe we were like best friends. I mean, not literally friends before, but, but the relationship was, they were so excited. It was my company. And then a switch flipped when something very small went wrong and we never quite recovered from that blow up. 90, I'm going to say 99% of the time. When that happens, it has nothing to do with you. There's something else internal going on behind the scenes in that household that you're not privy to. And this, you're, you're just the scapegoat. You're the, you're the easy target. And it wouldn't have mattered if it was you or somebody else. Yes. Um, but, you know... All you can do in those cases is go back to managing expectations. You know, if you think you can do the job in six weeks, tell them eight. And, you know, that way it leaves you a little fudge factor and try and 
double down and make sure that nothing goes wrong. Yeah. For listeners out there, I've been nodding aggressively in agreement throughout this response. <laughs> if the customers got your number and they just, whatever's going on in their world, they're taking it out on you. It, it doesn't matter. You can make everything right as rain and it'll never be. It'll never be rain. I, uh, a number of years ago, I did a, a custom house for uh, a family. And, uh, you know, the husband and wife, they were awesome. But his father made a point of showing up on the job on a regular basis. And that was the poison pill, man. Mm. That was the poison pill. The guys who did the slab work in the basement, it wasn't, it wasn't the best slab I'd ever seen. But it was still well within industry norms. When it came time to put some flooring down in the basement, you know, there had to be a little patchwork done here, a little self-leveler, this, that, and the other thing. And yeah. that was just the end of the world. And he just spent his entire day wandering around that job, trying to play one sub off after another. And Oh, man. Yeah. It was just brutal. And... Uh, Eventually, it just got to the point where nobody wanted to go to work there. And I had to go to the customer and say, look, you know, he's got to calm down a little bit so we can get this job done. Or, you know, the electrician is just not going to show up anymore. Or he will, but it's going to be low priority on his list of to-dos. Same with the plumber, you know. And in that situation, it helped. But... The job was kind of ruined, you know? Yeah. Once you lose that positive momentum, it's it's really hard to turn it back around. It is. now, you, And you just got to power through and finish. Yeah. And you have to keep your head down and power through those things. And, and for listeners out there, I'm just going to reiterate, when that thing does go wrong, it's usually not you. It's the, it's the person. They're... Like, imagine what it's like when you're not there and they're alone with someone else. It's not, <laughs> you're only getting a small dose of it. And I used to be a guide and, uh, and we'd be out in these amazing places in Alaska and, and, and someone would just complain constantly, you know, someone on the trip and it would bring down everybody. But I would think to myself, wow, we're out here like sitting, you know, feet away from you know brown bears feeding on salmon and this person is complaining about something at breakfast or something in their hotel room the night before and, and can't let go and i thought if the, if this is them relaxing on vacation what's it like at home on a daily basis you know managing expectations and then you got to let people's personalities roll off your back when that kind of stuff happens uh, yeah, and just dude. and just dig in and finish, yeah. and be nice. Yeah, kill my kindness. Dwell on yeah, dwell on it. Yeah, that'll. So not that'll taking things, me. not taking things personally, is very important. <laughs> Absolutely. And 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 our work is super personal, and we're in people's houses, so it's oh, it's just personal every bit of it. Oh. Absolutely. And I've, I've worked in both. Uh, like if you do a commercial job, chances are the owner's rep, the person you're dealing with, 
yeah, they, they want a good job or whatnot, but they they don't have the same vested interest as when you're dealing with a homo. Um, yeah. You know, they're going to have to look at that backsplash every day for the next 20 years. Yeah. So they want it to be a certain way. Yeah, you're building dreams. You're making dreams come true with the residential stuff. I was always kind of envious of the commercial guys. But uh, but I didn't want to do that work. I didn't really I wasn't that interested in it, but man, there's not it's just it's just click click click. Yes and no. There's a lot of there's a lot of other stuff that happens with commercial work that you know is on a larger scale that you don't have to deal with on the residential side of things and yeah. uh but i don't know there's pros and cons for both i've i've played in both worlds i like where i am now um, yeah we're just we're just over here building dreams i'm happy i stayed in the in the residential world i i mean it goes back to when we were wearing too many hats and floundering around and once I really decided to focus on certain aspects of the construction industry, I got really good at it. I got really good at running the business too, because things became more repetitive. I, I started really um, compartmentalizing how I do things, printing things. I, I, I have lists that I would, you know, if I'm doing a job with the crew, it's all typed up, what, what they're doing, priorities in order. And I can go back to those if there's a similar job and, and just modify them. And with that, uh, just focusing on residential because now building a house, it's just another house. And yep. then you focus on the details, but everything in between it's, it's much easier because my comp, my subs all know exactly what I'm going to be. They know what I'm going to say before I say it. It's funny. I just did a post the other day about repetition. Um, you know, and it, it's so important for any trade, you know, you know, you keep repeating that task over and over and over again. Eventually, you're going to get fast at it. And uh, the more you repeat it, the better you retain it. So, yeah, repetition. Yeah, repetition and, and, and actually writing things down, typing it, whatever, having it saved somewhere so you can go back to it. Because it's another thing, when I started out, I didn't... Like I, I had these uh, episodes uh, a couple weeks ago about cl- cold calls and and first time site visits. I was a joke when I first went to clients' houses. I I was a deer in the headlights so often. I would get there thinking I knew what I was gonna do, and then all of a sudden I'm silent and they're asking questions and I've got no answers. I had no no scheme for how to get through those, and now it's like. I want, I want to power through, get the information that I need so I can go back and might write my proposal right away without going back to their house or calling them. You might have to clear up a few things, but having that process down is super important. Yeah. Depending on the size and the scope of the project and how detail oriented it is, you shouldn't, you know, a small project that should just be one meeting. You shouldn't, you should have that initial meeting. And you should be able to come back to them with, you know, some numbers and a, a scope of work. Um, you know, are you going to have to tweak a few things? Maybe, maybe not. But if it's really detail orientated, maybe that warrants a second get together where you like 
iron out a few items that you've, you know, stumbled across during your process. But yeah, having to call them and say, yeah, I'm, I'm coming back again to remeasure everything because I didn't take the measurements I should have. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, not to I'm... say that we don't make mistakes because, you know, at least once a year you screw something up. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, it's so long ago. I don't really know. I don't remember if I lost clients because of that stuff, but they must have been wondering when I was coming back to remeasure their bathroom, you know, and, and, I, and I realized that pretty quick. Like I cannot be coming back twice unless it's a big job. The only re reason that should really happen now is if, like you're saying, if it's a smaller job, is if in your initial meeting, there were things that were unknown, like TBDs, things that just didn't, they weren't quite sure of, but you know, they're going to do the project. So you had to do some research and then you might have to come back and, and size some things up. If, especially if it's materials and stuff you haven't used before or special order items that you're not familiar with and you need to get specs on it. A few years back, we had a, a client come to us and said, Hey, we want a soundproof room. And our response was, yes, we have no idea how to do this, but yes, we can do this. Because um, we really didn't, uh, you know, what, like, to what extent, like, how soundproof do you want it? Exactly. And, what is, what is soundproof? What does that mean to you? Well, yeah. And well, it turns out uh, this, this gentleman's hobby was he was a drummer. Mm -hmm. um, and previous to this, he had an electronic drum set and he would put his earmuffs on and he could wail on those and there was no sound. But I'm not a drummer, but apparently there's like a massive difference between the real thing and the electronic ones. So he wanted to have a real drum set again. Mm -hmm. so he'd already done quite a bit of research and I forget the name of the product, um, but... I spent hours reading up on this and, uh, you know, different things. And we made a, we made a box for a baffle box for the, uh, HRV. So we'd have some fresh, fresh air going into that room. So basically any sound traveling out would get kind of, you know, muffled in this box. And we had to put some acoustical panels on the wall too, but. We did Rockwell in the cavities. Oh, Rockwell. There was, there was a giant rubber mat. Hmm. Then we had RC1 channel. And I think we used 5.8s. Uh -huh. And this rubber mat, I can't remember the name of the material. But uh, we had to build some custom window covers because there's a, a room in his basement. And, you know, not that he wanted to have this open, but if he, um, you know, something happened, he had to get out, right? We wanted... <laughs> We wanted them to have a you know an egress window for in case of fire, uh -huh. and we never had any actual like sound testing done on it. But basically, he closed the interior shutters on the window, closed the door, and you could tell that there was something going on outside if you were next to the house, but you couldn't tell it was drums. Huh? And that was that was a win for him. But yeah, we, had no idea, but we did the research and we pulled it off. So my neighbor's son is learning drums 
and when I go outside, I can hear him rolling and I don't mind at all. I'm, I'm, I'm a musician too. And, and, uh, but it, it's, I can't imagine what it's like in the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, this is another point I'm hearing in the story is that that honesty thing, when people ask you for a product that you're not familiar with and you tell them I'll do it, I've never, I've never done it before, but I can do it. And they trust by the way you've spoken to them and your reputation that you're a problem solver. Cause that's what we are for a living and, th and that you can get it done. And I think when I was younger and I was fronting as we were talking about before, and I didn't know something I would, I would act as if I knew what I was doing and I would solve the problem and I could do it. But I think it was way different than how I approach it now if I haven't done it. Cause now I just stay straight up. I don't know. I'll do it. Let me get back to you on, on managing on. expectations. Yeah. Yeah. It's trust. Yeah. It boils back down to those things. You, you know, uh, you've got a reputation, you've built that rapport, that relationship. And, um, uh, you know, in the past, you've always been able to pull off what you said you were going to do in a, you know, maybe somewhat timely manner. And uh, so when you tell a client you're going to do it, they believe you. And that's the important thing. The expectation management has to start in that first meeting too. Not Absolutely. ballparking prices, not ballparking how long projects are going to take. You, you can do a little bit on project length, but not for a complicated project. The number one and for us is, are they willing to wait? Mm-hmm. Because we don't we don't book work like two weeks out. We're booking no way a year out, right? If if you can get someone in two weeks, it's because they're new and they ha they don't have clients yet, right? Or, I mean, or nobody wants them. Or nobody wants them. Yeah, and that's a, another pro uh, expectation management right away. That's in my first phone call. When do you want? Like that's the first thing. I, one of the first things I ask. When do you want this done? Because before you even explain it to me, tell me what you're thinking. Yeah. If they're like next week or two weeks from now, you're like, well, no. And red flag, yeah. you know, if they're pushy. We have other commitments. We've already made promises. Um, you know, we've already told other people what our timeline is. So we've got to, we've got to meet those expectations first. And then, then we can talk about helping you out. Um, but yeah, we, we won't be there tomorrow. Matter of fact, we won't even be there in six months, but we will be, be there, but <clears throat> just not tomorrow. So where do you go from here with your business? What's the boss say? What's Gina saying? <laughs> what's what, what, what's, what's she going to do with you? I, I don't think you're going to see us probably get any, well, I know we're not going to get any bigger, um, uh -huh. you know, might pick up a summer student or something like that, but that'll be, that's it. It's going to be three to five employees. That's it. We're going to cruise along. Um, we've got some of our own work to do this year. Uh, that's always fun being your own client. It's kind of the cream of the, of the construction world. I think we've got, we've got some things in the work for, you know, sort of retirement plans for ourselves. And, 
eventually we're probably going to switch gears into a little bit more property management and a little less construction because I'm not going to be able to get on a roof forever. There's going to be a day where, you know, eventually the body is, it might not say no, but it's going to, it's going to complain rather loudly that, you know, maybe it's time to get off the 912. You can't get me up. You can't get me on anything past the 412 anymore. Really? I, I, I put up, no, uh, not really. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like, you go up there and do it. I'm a, <laughs> that's why I became a general contractor when I was young and on this roof, on these roofs scared. Cause I'm not, I'm not, I am afraid of heights. Okay. I, mean, I got used to it. I got used to heights cause I had to, but I never, I've never been a roof guy. And I definitely had been in a few situations when I was young where I was like, this is not, I shouldn't be up here because I was too nervous. Yeah. So we're just going to like slowly transition to a lot more, very specific, very custom work. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, eventually we'll just be in a position where we're going to be able to be very fussy. And if it doesn't pique our interest or it's not something that, you know, I want to do, then, we just won't. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, we're going to keep doing what we're going to do. So, yeah. And that being in that place where people want to pay you what you know you need to get projects done and you can choose those projects is such a, it's a, it's a reward for all that hard work you've put in and getting so good at what you do and, and building trust in your community. And then people just, they know they've got a complicated project and they know you're the person and they know that, you know, how much time it's going to take because labor is the most expensive thing. And, and it will eat you alive. If you don't, if you don't have that down, it really can, it really can eat you alive. And it's, it's not just the front end. If you don't have quality labor, quality people looking after your interests, the warranty work can kill you. Um, you know, if if you've got a warranty one job a year, you're going to be okay. Uh, if you've got a warranty every job that you did this year, that's going to kill you. That'll yeah. eat you alive. You'll be. Yeah. But those those clients really appreciate when you have to come back and do warranty work, and you just come and do it. You almost build more trust than you had before because the well, people absolutely. see that you, and then they really want, then they, then they really talk about you. They really yeah. uh, want to write reviews. They want to give it all to you. You're their man. You made a mistake, but you didn't run away. Yeah. You can't run away from your problems. So they're just going to follow you around one way or another. Right. Yeah. Um, also, if, it's how we, it's one of the ways we learn. It's not the only way we learn, but if you have an issue and we've been, we've been saying window here, so we'll just use window. Um, why did that window leak? What went wrong during the installation process that this happened? So what can we change? What can we do to, you know, make this simpler, more foolproof? Um, 
you know, whenever prob, whenever possible, I like to employ the KISS principle on everything we do, but it doesn't always work out. So the KISS theory is is definitely uh, a great place to start. If anybody doesn't know what the KISS principle is, it's keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Uh, my closest friend's dad, that's, that's what he always taught his boys. So, um, so you're, what, what, you know, we're giving, we're, we're like pumping out advice right now. There's one thing that you would say to the next generation. Um, and I know this is a, you know, it's, it's a off the top of your head. It's a huge question. I know. <laughs> I mean, we could just go back to keep it simple, stupid. We could, um, um, ask questions, ask questions. Uh, if you don't get, I'm, I'm going to run with this. Uh, I like it. If you're not getting answers where you're at, ask questions somewhere else. Um, you know, you might not get the question you want answered during the day, um, during working hours, but ask again at lunch. Ask, hey, can I talk to you after we're done for five minutes? Because I want to find out about this. Keep your mind open, learn where you can, and you know, if you really want to learn how to do something, you might not get paid for it. Yeah. Um, there, you know, maybe there's no room in the budget to teach you how to do finished stairs. But if you know that somebody's going to be doing finished stairs, maybe say, hey, yeah, like I'll come in on Saturday and give a hand with that just so I can learn. You know, if you show that you're a go-getter, people will. People go out of their way to teach you and help you if you show that you're genuinely interested in how to learn. Absolutely. Uh, and I will stack on top of that, um, that asking questions is vital and not letting pride get in the way of asking those questions is, is key because that's where you don't ask questions because you, because you you got way too much pride and pride is important. You have to take pride in the work you do, but, but you can't let it stand in the way of learning. And I did for years. I did not ask. I, I I'm waving my hands for everybody who's listening. Cause I'm, I'm waving my hands at myself. Cause I'm like, ah, you know, I, I didn't ask the questions at first. And, and that got me in a lot of bad situations with expectations with, I could have just asked a different contractor how he does it because he probably would have told me, but I didn't want to look like I didn't know what I was doing that back to that fronting and, you know, being young and letting, it's, letting pride get in the way all the time. Pride ego. There's, there's a lot of factors that play into that, but um, you know, look at it this way. If you ask a question and, somebody gives you an answer that may or may not save you money or time or, or both, 
that's that can be huge down the road. Um, you know, I have other contractors who ask me questions from time to time. Um, not every day, but it's because everybody can't know everything. And, you know, if they know I did a job where, I don't know, something was a little out of whack, they're going to call and say, Hey, how did you do that? Cause I think I'm running into a similar situation and that's okay because, you know, then in turn down the road, you can go, Hey, you know, so-and-so did that project and this is kind of similar. Um, you know, even if it's just to compare numbers for, you know, how long it took you to, I don't know, frame a thousand square feet or something like that. That's pretty mundane and not a good example, but yeah. But again, these are, these are things that we don't talk about and, and, and we're putting it into conversation for the first time in a lot of ways. You know, I, I had a podcast at the beginning, I think it was one of my first shows called you can't know everything. And it, it, might see, it might seem like it, kind of philosophical. And for someone, I mean, you listen to it, go, well, this is obviously Mike, but it is about asking those questions and pride. And, and, you know, when I don't know, I call, there's a couple subs that I have and I'm like, Hey, what do you think? Like, the, cause you're going to be doing it one. And then should I do this or how do I do this? And I got no problem asking those guys now because they see it all. They, the subcontractors see every job. They see every. They work with everybody. They know. They know what. They know more than you do. And yeah. asking them uh, is is super important. And then also opening up to other contractors because our secrets are so tightly guarded and no one wants to share. But once you start. Once you establish a relationship with a couple other general contractors, it's awesome, man. We can solve some problems now. Absolutely, you know? you're all in business. Everybody's working, so you know a little problem solving or, or sharing of ideas is probably just going to lead to all of you being better versus like somebody getting more work than somebody else. It's not like you're not going to get a project because you told so-and-so how you got around this HVAC problem. You know, it, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And, just and make- yeah, because once you're established, the work's pretty steady. And then those guys are going to, we, we're all pushing work at each other. Say, Hey, do you want this referral? Cause I can't do it. I don't have time. And people love when they see that your building community trusts each other. Yeah. And it goes the other way because, you know, every once in a while, and it hasn't happened to us for a long time, but occasionally you have a project that just drops off the face of the earth for whatever reason, uh, something happened in the client's family or whatever. And they just, I got to, you know, put a stop drop on this project and you're left with this, you know, window that you need to fill. You know, sometimes it's just as simple as phoning you know, some of your other contractor buddies and they're like, whoa, you know what? I've got this project that's been sitting on the board. If I've, you know, find the time, if you want it, it's yours. It's good to have those relationships. Aaron, I know you've got a lot going on, so I should probably let you get back to your Saturday. So I want to, I want to thank you guys. This is a, 
This has been Aaron Jones of Big Dog Construction. And, and you can check him out on Big Dog Construction GM on Instagram. Thanks, Aaron. You're welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Let's do it again sometime. We will. Definitely. Cool. All right. That's it, guys. That's all I got. Later. Hey, I lied. I'm still here. Um, I want to give a shout out right now to Fiona Plett in Manitoba. Uh, she is herself contracting on Instagram. And she wrote me a while back and said, hey, I just wanted to say that I'm loving your podcast so far right on the mark. These are exactly the conversations I've been having with colleagues of late. So it's encouraging, helpful, and also affirming. Hey, Fiona, thank you so much for sending me that shout out. I really appreciate it. It's great to know that the message is getting out and that we are all in this together. Thanks for listening today, you guys. If you found value in the content, please consider leaving a review on iTunes, a rating on Spotify, or if you're in the Android world, a rating on my website. Alternatively, take a snapshot of the episode you just listened to on your phone or a picture of it from your car stereo and post it on Instagram and tag me in your stories. When you leave a review, tell me where you're reviewing from and I'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Thanks for listening and whatever you do every day, remember at the end of the day, it's your legacy. So build a legacy that matters. That's all I got. Later.